looking to the net. Here he comes. He shoots and scores. Harry Lemieux. Oh, great balls of fire. Five seconds to go. Loose around to the far corner. Two seconds. The Penguins are going to win the Stanley Cup. I believe Stereo shoots it black. The Penguins have won the Stanley Cup. Oh, Lord Stanley. Lord Stanley, get me the brandy. On right side, Murphy. Shooting save. A rebound on the view. Minus three with Dave Damashek. Oh, yes. The great Mike Lang has hung it up. But, man, so many great memories for a young Dave Damashek listening to Lang. Call the black and gold Penguins action over the radio years past. Happy trails to you, Mike Lang. And welcome to Minus three presented as always by FanDuel. Make sure you ride along with us. FanDuel.com slash minus three. That's the word minus the number three. And uh, furthermore, follow all the fun at minus three pod. I know today is going to be fun. Once again, I don't do it all the time, but every once in a while, Eddie Spaghetti, you know, I point out to center field like Babe Ruth in, what was that, the 33 World Series in Wrigley Field. Call my shot. I know this is going to be a good one because when we do these shows, in August with our guy, Will Brinson. They're always gangbusters. They get you right in the brain emotionally. The heart is set once our uh, conversation is complete. From the Pick 6 podcast, here he is, everybody. Here to rank quarterbacks within their divisions, tell you what's going to go down over these next four or so months. It's Will Brinson. What's happening, fella? How you been? How's summertime? What's up, Shaq? It's been uh, it's been too long. It's, it's nice and hot here in uh, North Carolina. We know that it, but, you know, football is about to start when we're talking NFC quarterbacks. I mean, it's going back like half a decade now, right? We, and we've, I don't know that we've, we've once been correct, but um, in the words of, uh, did you see Jameis, speaking of NFC, did you see, we're, we're basically the best, uh, what, did, what did Jameis Winston say? The best, uh, did you hear him? His little, no. his little oh, this is great. He was talking about uh, Kamara and Latavius Murray. And he called them the uh, best condom in the best condom backs in the NFL. He was trying <laughs> to say combo or tandem and combined them to say, he said, they're the best condom. And he goes, uh, excuse me, tandem. And then he like kind of like did around for a minute. And then somebody over on the side where there's a reporter or a PR person is just like this. And he's like, <laughs> it's a, uh, it was, it's a, uh, we need Jameis as the oh, starting quarterback. For, for I any love it. Purposes. And, of course, what Brinson refers to is when we've been doing this, yes, we like our season previews with Brinson. And generally speaking, in the past, they focused on the fascinating QB quartet that was the NFC South trying to rank out who's best. If you haven't heard uh, Upgrade, I think you could make a case. Tom Brady went to the division last year and then won the Super Bowl. Reminder, though. They didn't win the division. So everybody who's just handing the 2021 NFC South to Brady once again, I know they have all 22 guys back. He had a bad knee. It turns out Antonio Brown also had a bad knee, but I'm not ready to give the division to them just yet. I want to dig in on on all of these things here, Brinson. But first, in honor of Mike Lang, I want to say the great, uh, like I say, Penguins broadcaster for literally 
the entirety of my lucidity. Since I started watching following sports, Mike Lang was the voice of the Pittsburgh Penguins. And same goes for Bill Hillgrove, has always been, since I've been watching Pitt football, the voice of Pitt football and Pitt basketball. They really, um, you know, they're, they're legends, obviously, for me, and have as much to do with me talking into a microphone as any of the players or teams that I watched along the way. So um, blame them if you're angry with what you're listening to right now. But Brinson, <laughs> let's start with you. The, you heard there the Mike Lang call of game one 1992 10 seconds to go tie game against the mighty chicago blackhawks lemieux swoops in scores the goal i will never be i was at the malcolm butler interception game um i was there when troy palomalu picked six joe flacco to send the steelers to the super bowl um any number of great super bowls along the way overtime against matt ryan for the patriots a lot of big time games the, mo- the the bedlam will never be matched that I saw in the Civic Arena the night that Lemieux scored that goal. Best game you ever attended. Yeah, this is a this is it's not tough for me. It's easy. I mean, I think that the the answer is um, the Malcolm Butler interception game. Like they make me they make me and 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 I say when I say it's not easy, what I mean is that I mean I've I've seen lots of great sporting events and I've been to a lot I've been to a lot of cool stuff, but I I don't feel like any, I've been to any le- like legendary. There wasn't a lot of like legendary things happening uh, here. Like I, I've seen, I've seen the 1992 Duke basketball team play like ten times, but I didn't see him in a. Cha- you know, I didn't see the game against Kentucky or anything like that. Um, and you know, I, you know, like, I don't want to be like the the 2001 Gator Bowl or something. You know, which was which was a blast. It was a fun time, but it's, you know, we just NC State just beat up on Notre Dame. I mean, yeah, best tailgate party you ever went to is a different category, and one that we should definitely indulge at a later date. Correct. So I mean, if for me for the best game ever, I would go Malcolm Butler interception game. Were you too young? I'm gathering then for the Jimmy V NC State eighty two. Yeah. What was, was that? Eighty three? I guess yeah, eighty three run. I was two years old. Oh my god. Yeah, I'm young. Now, I, oh, now not I'm young. I mean, I'm younger than yeah, yeah. People, I'm younger than people think. People are like, oh, you know, you're probably what. And I was a Duke fan growing up, so you were. Yeah, yeah, pretty uh, terrible. Well, um, listen, you got to celebrate this past weekend because you watched uh, Coach Carr go in. So you got you got a right. little reflected glory from NC State great Bill Cowher. Eddie Spaghetti, how say you? Best game you ever attended. I haven't been to any super exciting ones, so I'll just rattle up a bunch of uh, wins that meant a lot to me at the time. So anytime Boston University beat Boston College in hockey or anytime BU won any game in the bean pot, that was always a good one. Uh, I was at a game with the Giants. I believe it was the the second Super Bowl run where they, uh, they beat the Cowboys at MetLife. They beat Romo, and they clinched the playoff berth. And then I was at a Rangers game. I believe this is the 2013 run where they lost in the Eastern Conference Finals to the Devils where they beat the Canadiens to clinch a playoff first, so that was fun. And um, most enjoyable game was just probably recently with Notre Dame beating up on Navy. I went to that game, and then this was like a hybrid with your tailgate convo. I went to an amazing tailgate. Notre Dame beat up the then-led uh, JT Daniels USC Trojans team. They beat them uh, a few years back. Those were a lot of fun uh, as like a, a, an opposing fan in that crowd. But I uh, can't really think. I don't have any big time. You guys are the Super Bowls. You guys crushed me with that. Maybe like a D.D. Gregorius home run versus the Angels in the, in the ninth inning. Like that was it's a lame regular season game. But to me, it was fun being there in the crowd. I, I have some pretty boring uh, events, man. Well, I, you know, 
the other side of the coin, you mentioned the Yankees, and that reminds me, and Eddie Spaghetti, upcoming, great news for the gambler um, listening right now. Eddie Spaghetti, it's Tuesday at the time of this recording. It's time for Eddie Spaghetti to provide you a $5 dinger. He is the home run whisperer, as you know, if you've been listening to Minus 3 for any amount of time, for so stick around for that. Meantime, though, a tough one, a bad beat, uh, a, a bed ache if there ever was one. I told you to go under on extra points with Cousin Sal on the Yankees and Royals. I was looking good. Then people start tweeting at me. Are you aware that somebody bet $11,000 on the over on that game? And I was like, oh, man, now I feel like a real heel here. And it gets to the ninth inning and the Yanks take the lead. And I'm like, all right, I'm still in good shape. The The total is 10. They're not going to reach that. It's 3-2. OK. Oh, the Royals forced uh, extras. OK, I'm still in good shape. And it just kept going. And going and going and it blew past ten ultimately, Eddie Spaghetti. So I guess I owe everybody an apology, like uh, like Jerry Orbach says at the end of Dirty Dancing. When I'm wrong, I say I'm wrong. But I want to give out some winners here now. Looking ahead, shall we? One last thing before we jump in, because that was a bad one. I wasn't there. Worst game you ever attended, Brinson. What broke your heart the most? Oh, worst game. You ever had your heart broken, or you could even say bum game. Like I was so excited for this, and it was garbage. Have I ever had my heart broken? I'm an NC State fan. It's just yeah, true, right. Every, every yeah, but how high could your expectations be? You're an NC State fan. It's not like you expect uh, greatness, do you? That's true. We'll get uh, to the win to we'll get we'll get to the Wolfpack's college football win total in uh, in just that, a bit here. By the way, that is a hammer, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But um, the well, I say this: I wasn't at this game because it was in Chapel Hill, but. Uh, biggest heartbreak just in terms of like, this was an all time. And it's, you know, gambling, you know, gambling centric podcast. I'll bring this up. NC state, Larry Fedora and Tom O'Brien are the two coaches for Carolina and NC state respectively. Uh, Mike Glennon is actually the quarterback in, in this particular game. And uh, we are NC state is a seven and a half point underdog to North Carolina. And the game is tied with, Oh God, maybe like 45 seconds left. And Tom O'Brien decides to uh, you know, close it down and punt the ball. Punts it to Giovanni Bernard, who then promptly houses the punt with like, sec- like maybe it's like 10, 15 seconds. I can't remember exactly how oh, much time is left. And oh, they go God. in there and we're all sitting around. We're like, oh, my God, that is a brutal, brutal beat to your like most hated rival. And it's like, well, all right, the, you know, at least the silver lining is we're going to get this cover. The, Car- the Carolina holder, we – it's still undetermined if he botches it or Fedora called this, but he like drops it, runs around, and then I think he either flips a pass or sprints into the end zone. And they win by eight to bust the cover, and you get the heart rip of the game as well. Holy hell, that's a misery against your arch rival, no less. It's already painful uh, on the gut level, but then to lose some loot on top of it. I mean, I've been there for a bunch of bad ones. I saw Brady Andrew Bledsoe come into Heinz Field once upset the 10-point favored Pittsburgh Steelers, and then three years later do the same thing to the 15-1 and Ben Roethlisberger. Rookie Ben Roethlisberger would have been the only rookie QB ever to take his team to a Super Bowl. Those were painful. I saw David Volick of the Islanders and the Penguins bid for a three-peat in 1993, but I still say the worst one I ever attended was when I was a very young boy I went to see the number one rated Pitt Panthers host, their arch rival, the Penn State Nittany Lions, Joe Pa and company, came into town. Marino threw two early touchdown passes to Dwight Collins, and they 
made uh, he made a throw to the goal line to get a third one. I think it was still the first quarter even to go up 21 nothing. It got picked off final score Penn State 48 Pitt 14. It was the greatest heartbreak I'll ever suffer in all my days. Eddie Spaghetti, worst game you ever attended. Uh, I have a few that actually come to mind. Like I said before, anytime BU won was a good uh, event, but uh, reversely, I remember my freshman year. Reversely? When BC won the title with like Chris Kreider, Kevin Hayes, the like, and it was the year after BU just won, they beat us like every time, and they beat us in the bean pot as well, so those really stung. Um, The worst... I went to Notre Dame USC. I was it was like my right after I moved to Los Angeles. I'm wearing a green jersey here, and we're playing a USC team that had Darnold and you know uh, Juju and uh, it was just a loaded team, and they smoked uh, the Irish. I was sitting in the bunch of you know USC Trojan fans. That was miserable, and it rained that day, which it never does in Los Angeles. And then I think the worst game that I always think about was I went to a Jets Broncos game. Jay Cutler was quarterback for the Broncos. He threw like. It felt like 10 touchdown passes that game, and it was a monsoon, and it was like 35 degrees out in East Rutherford, and I was like miserable. I was there with my, my, my dad, my brother, and my friend, and we had to just sit through this game for some reason. We were just drenched, and it was going to be like a two-hour like travel home, and it was, it was miserable, And because uh, I do actually root for the Jets, fun fact. If they're not playing the Giants, I have no problem with the Jets. Uh, so that game was... Uh, that game was, was no, I, That's I mean, morally I, I had, wrong. I had, but I, had, I had tickets as a kid, so what am I going to do? Go to eight games a year and not root for the Jets? Choose one or the other. You can't root I for did both. Choose. I did choose. The football gods did not give you two teams I didn't to say root I for. He teams. said, choose one said or the one. other. The other one is one. supposed to be hated. I don't. Why would I? Why would any Giants fan hate the Jets? What do you mean? Why? Because they're your because they're your inner city rival. What are you talking no, about? That's why? not that's not true. That, that, that no one in New York feels that way. Same thing with like Yankees and Mets. Mets fans hate the Yankees. Yankee fans don't care about the Mets. It's the same. Exact I thing. see. OK, so if that, you, ultimately you're doing one better than hating hockey. Them. Is, you're, you're, hockey you're, is, you're drapering. Is you're Don drapering the guy like he did in the elevator. <laughs> like, hate you. I don't think about you at all. That's Correct. what you're doing. So, OK. All right. Fine. This is actually like a good one. This would fit in like best and worst. Uh, my uncle and dad and I went to uh, Tallahassee for a Florida State NC State game in 2003. Uh, this was Chris Ricks was the quarterback for Florida State. Rivers sure. was quarterbacking for NC State. Final in overtime, 50 to 44. Florida State comes away victorious, and there, so it was a great game. But obviously, NC State loses in a tough fashion. Uh, and it was a you know that was a it was a big year, and and it didn't you know didn't pan out the way that we wanted. Um, mainly because then the next week. Uh, by, by the way, I was like loudly screaming like uh, as a pack fan in a sea of of, uh, of of tomahawks. And when Florida State came back and tied it up and then went into overtime, it was it was I, it was rained down upon uh, in, in appropriate fashion. And then the next week, oh, at, that's the worst to have to be sitting in that section, no less. Just getting yeah, getting blitzed. And I believe the next the next week was. Yes. So Maryland comes to Raleigh and takes out. No, maybe that's not right. At one point, Maryland beat NC State in Raleigh and their fans started bombing oranges on the field. It was the year where they went to the orange ball with, with uh fridge and, and they're just, their fans are just lobbing oranges on the field. If we beat them, we go to the, we go to the, you know, we, we, and, and it's, you're just walking out like, this is unbelievable. You know, everybody's, you know, it was, it was, that was hell on earth. Wait a second. That's uh, Sean Merriman and Ralph region. Is that, that yes. was that team? Yeah. In fact, what uh, happened the to Ralph? I ever interviewed Merriman was at this, like the Super Bowl right after he, 
Uh, he'd been in, he'd been in San Diego for like three three or four years maybe, and, and I was like, man, I'm an NC State guy. He just starts laughing and he goes, yeah, yeah, we call we call uh, we call Rivers Philip with three L's because he never managed to beat Maryland when he was at uh, when he was at in Raleigh. It's like, oh god, that is funny for Merriman. You should bring up when Maurice Jones drew pancaked him. That that'll uh, quiet <laughs> him down. Took the L took took the L on that one. Let's take a break from Brinson for a second here. I can't wait another moment, Eddie Spaghetti. It's your time to shine. Every week, it is time for the $5 Dinger Tuesday pick. Eddie Spaghetti, like I say, the home run whisper, if there ever was one. Bet it on FanDuel Sportsbook. Eddie Spaghetti is going to provide you with a name, or you can choose your own name, because FanDuel is letting you place your first bet risk-free. That's right. New users get up to $1,000 back. In site credit, if your first bet doesn't win, it's about to get even better because FanDuel's promo every Tuesday, the $5 dinger, you place a $25 uh, wager on any player to hit a home run on Tuesday and you get a $5 bonus in site credit for every home run hit in the game. Spaghetti has hit on this a number of times already over the last couple of months. Eddie Spaghetti, who's going yard today? So I'm not going to take Yankee. Um, it was a strange one last night in Kansas City. I mean, boy, I, we talked about your uh. bad beat. So I'm going to stay away from them because that was just a weird one. But I am going to stay in division. The Rays are playing the Red Sox. Eduardo Rodriguez is pitching for the Red Sox. The lefty and Brandon Lowe versus him has had, I believe, in nine at-bats. He's batting three thirty-three with two jacks versus him, three ribbies. I like Brandon Lowe to hit a home run tonight for the Rays against the Red Sox. He has... Um, 24 home runs on the year, almost an even split with 11 home runs in away game, so he could hit a home run in Fenway. And uh, I just like, you know, the, the race team is a good offensive team this year. A mid-five ERA for Eduardo Rodriguez, so I, I like him to uh, hit a home run. He has three home runs in his last 15 games low, so I think he's going to go yard tonight. I have nothing to add to that because Eddie Spaghetti is generally on the money with these. Go bet it. That's what you need to do. Do it at FanDuel.com slash minus three, as always. The word minus the number three. Make sure you use that promo code when you make that wager and enjoy your money. All right, listen, you're an ACC, SEC country, and so maybe we'll have some time for your college football thoughts, but I want to get into your projections for pro football. 2021, hard knocks is about to, to break again this year. It's getting real close, fellas, and I couldn't be more excited about it. Let's start here. Is the AFC South a gimme? for the Tennessee Titans, given what's going on, the murkiness, Carson Wentz, I don't know, maybe Phil Rivers will take a snap. Um, are the Titans as big a lock as there is to win their division among the eight divisions? Uh, no, but I, I'm picking the Titans and I've been saying for, you know, all off season, really on the, on the podcast, like even before the, before the, you know, when the Julio Jones rumors were floating and the Colts were actually favored, I was telling people, you need to bet the Titans at plus 110 or 120 or whatever it was, because this, to me, this is the team that will win the division. I, I do. Hmm. I have the, the two things in the back of my mind. And, and this was, this was, you're saying if even Julio was on the Colts, you still would have been betting the Titans. Yeah. I bet in the Titans regardless. Wow. And then once Julio, was traded. It got down to the Titans were slight favorites. And then obviously with the Wentz and Quentin Nelson stuff, now they're minus 140. I I am clearly nobody's worried about the Texans. They're they're an afterthought in that division. Right. Um, Terrible team. Right. I am a little nervous about the Jaguars. I think you should I, be. I think that's I think fair. Nine they're gonna steal a couple eight games. One is, eight after one is a pretty good value for a team. And because the Titans are good, but the Titans are 
kind of uh, stars and scrubsy on offense right now. And on defense, we just don't know that it's necessarily going to be a, a strong unit. It hadn't been really you know, since Dean P's left. So I'm a little wary of the Titans, but I do think they're the best team and will win the division. I'm just out on Carson Wentz and the Colts. I, I love Frank Reich, so it sucks. Um, but, you know, when to, I, I think it is a massive, even with full health, a massive downgrade from Phillip Rivers to uh, Carson Wentz. But nobody should be surprised by that opinion. I guess not, since you're a, a Wolfpack um, enthusiast. But I, yeah, I, the assumption that Carson Wentz was going to play at that le- the level that 17 played at last last year felt a little optimistic based on what we've seen. It's not like it was a bad stretch for him. This has been this has been at least two. I know he played. I, I know there were people who would prop him up for the way he finished. What was it? Tw- I, the year, the the months and years before we got the, going. The we 2019 about that. is when 2019 he finished. He started the playoff game, but got hurt on that clowny hit. Right, right. right. And they, so he's never finished a play. He's never like finished a playoff game. One playoff. He's never finished one playoff game. I will go. By the way, my big one is uh, a, a big preseason bet right now. And you know, if Marcus Mariota gets traded to the Colts, this will shake my opinion up a little bit. But right now, the Tennessee Titans at plus at seventeen to one to get the number one seed in the AFC. Ooh, I like that. Is real juicy because everybody else has much tougher competition than the Titans have within their division. Um, let's bounce to the other South. We're covering uh, multiple South things here. Actually, before we jump out to the NFC South. Um, Phil Rivers, will he start at least one game for the Indianapolis Colts? I, I don't think it's going to be the Colts. And I, people are sort of misinterpreting, I think, what Rivers told Sam Farmer. And I, I don't want to speak for Sam because I haven't asked him, but just knowing, you know, following Philip Rivers' career fairly closely, what I think what Rivers is saying is once he's not leaving that high school team that he's coaching until after the high school season. He, right, would, he right, right. wouldn't leave that team. That's just, that would be a very anti-Phil Rivers thing to do. In fact, it, it was very surprising that he said this in the first place. They'd be willing to come back. But I think what he's saying is, like in, 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 the, in, in his hypothetical, a team like, like Tom Brady suffers a knee injury and the Bucks are 10-2 and two in December. And they're like, we don't want to roll with Blaine Gabbard or Kyle Trask. Let's go get Rivers. And I think that's sort of what he's hinting at. And so, yes, the Colts are a possibility, but I really think he's sort of leaning in a different direction from an organizational standpoint, unless Carson Wentz goes down with an injury and then it's an obvious fit for him to come back to the Colts. I, there are probably six, seven, eight teams that would make sense from this perspective where Rivers, like, yeah, I was, I was on uh, with Darren Smith uh, out in uh, San Diego on doing radio out there. And, and we always talk Rivers because, you know, San Diego, NC sure. State. Uh, and he, um, He's like, yeah, he's like, and I can't really get behind the idea of Philip Rivers, you know, playing quarterback for a, a five and eight Raiders team. You know, they, they, they don't do that. <laughs> Just come back for a good situation. Yeah, right. Tony Romo, I, I'm pretty sure, was flirting with the idea of coming back. But once Dak made it big in his rookie season, the Cowboys were off the table. And it's like, really, what's Romo coming back to do to – you know, to get a team to nine wins and sneak into the playoffs, or does he want to make a Super Bowl run? I think Phil Rivers will be very choosy about where he lands. It does make me think. I love one of my favorite what if conversations is the ought for uh, first round. This is one not, of the landing Not J.B. Losman. Let's eliminate him. But Eli, Phil, and Big Ben, if you did, you know, Bill Cowher 
NC State alum wanted Phil Rivers more than he wanted Roethlisberger. Eli was attractive, obviously, to San Diego, and um, Big Ben was coveted by some people in the front office in the Giants. How that ring count shakes out is fascinating. Wouldn't it be fun all these years later if Phil Rivers had to step in for an injured Ben Roethlisberger and he achieved the glory that he long coveted wearing the black and gold? By the way, where the Chargers are concerned, I will say it every show until the season kicks off, the Chargers are going to win the AFC West. I, that, 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 you want a bold one from Damashek. That's, that's a big that's one right bold, there. but I don't even disagree. The um, – would – the idea of like Philip Rivers coming out of retirement from coaching high school to take over the Pittsburgh Steelers and leading them to a Super Bowl, that that's something only 2021 could could deliver. So I it's it's it would be insane. Would Big Ben attempt to block that move? Do you think I don't know? Or maybe they would t- yeah, maybe then they would trade him. The Steelers would be like, that's enough, seven. We gotta do what we gotta do. We're shipping you to the Giants. And Danny Dimes, I don't know where how this impacts Danny Dimes, but not favorably. Yeah, I guess he could t- take over for the injured Justin Herbert. Um, next question for you. Now we go to the NFC South. And by the way, I still didn't get it out of my mouth. What Brinson and I have done a lot of over the years is we rank one through four the NFC South quarterbacks. It was fascinating when we were doing it because you had Matt Ryan, who was an MVP guy the one year, obviously, and was was better than I think people considered him to be at Drew Brees. We had, we had a distinct history of, uh, like, <laughs> just like breaking Matt Ryan over Drew Brees and then Brees lighting it up. Or, uh, like, we had with Jameis Winston number one one year and Cam Newton won MVP or something, you know, something like that. Well, that's a good lead into to this subject then because I... Until Michael Thomas, at least. And now this mess with Michael Thomas has me shaken to the point that I don't think I can take the Saints to win the NFC South this year. I think that if you have Michael Thomas, plus the speed that they have, plus Kamara, plus the overall depth, the the Saints are maybe the best roster in the NFC. I thought if Jameis gets that gig over Taysom, and and, and by the way, side note, I don't think, I predict Jameis ultimately gets the gig. Are they really going to run Taysom Hill out there as your starting quarterback. But I do think what you saw with Drew Brees last year and years prior is exactly what you're going to see. In other words, even if Jameis is really good, I don't think he's a good play in fantasy this year because Taysom Hill is going to get all the goal line action. I think I've I've got to assume that's the way it'll Uh, go. But what about Sam Darnold? I I don't think Adam Gase has a lot of pressure on him this year because I don't think anybody's considering him for any important gig in 2021 right now. But man, he can be further diminished if Sam Darnold goes down to Carolina. And by the way, Matt Rule, what's he known for is is doing exactly this year two down there in Charlotte. I, I am I crazy to think that that's a good value play at least the Panthers plus 950 to win the NFC South. And by the way, if Darnold's good. Adam Gase is never allowed, not not ever to be hired again to be a football coach, but he's never allowed to talk about football again, right? Has, I mean, this would be your, if Darnold's good, that's it. Yeah, it it would be. So there's just, I mean, it's just an unprecedented run of players who, like, you know, Ryan Tannehill, Devontae Parker, Kenyon Drake, the, the whole, like, essentially everybody who played for the Dolphins under Gase magically became good the second that he got his anti-Midas dust. Uh, they, they cleaned the dirt, the, the Gase dirt 
off of uh, off themselves and, and went on to be good. Yeah, I, William H. Macy was a cooler with the cards, but maybe we'll learn Adam Gase. We need to replace uh, Adam Gase's face on that poster. He's the ultimate pigskin cooler. I, I don't want to sound like a, a chalk donkey here, but I'm looking at this FanDuel, these odds. FanDuel, Bucks minus 185 is like 75 cents better than you'll find anywhere else on the market right now. That is a, hmm. and I think that's an absolute hammer. The Bucks are just, sometimes, as my buddy Nate likes to say, sometimes a line is just a line. And in this case, the, the Bucks are just way better than everybody else in this division. I do think Carolina can be a frisky. I don't know that their defense is going to necessarily take that big step that's going to allow it to happen. And if you look at rule, you know, and just, I mean, and we you know we're projecting college football and college programs onto an NFL team, which is not, you know, it's just not not fair. And it, the, the X factor is Sam Darnold, but he went two and ten with Temple his first year, six and six, and then made a big leap to ten and four, uh, and then had that ten and three season follow up, and then with Baylor one and eleven, seven and six, and then the big leap to eleven and three. So I so I think the I think the Panthers will take steps forward, but they may still just be a 500 team. I also would not sleep check on the Panthers as a landing spot for Deshaun Watson, even with Sam Darnold on the roster. I think, Hmm. I think David Tepper, who we, we ever talked about the fact that he um, once had a gigantic pair of brass testicles on his desk at his, at his trading firm. Well, no, but he, he had a a piece of the Steelers action. So having iron balls would, uh, would fit the. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, he, you know, he literally had a, there's an article about it, like a profile of, of David Tepper and they're described, um, in, in extreme detail about the, this pair of brass testicles that he kept on his thing. If the point being is this how is that, who, how that is, I, I'm not sure what your point is, Brinson, something with balls and yeah, but, Deshaun no, no, he's, Watson. He's hyper, and I, I don't know what this is all leading to, but it's a little dark for my taste. He's just hyper aggressive. That's how he, oh, like, okay. he likes, he okay. likes to be big, he, big, bold moves. And when Appaloosa management, which is his company where he had the, the old, the old brass ones, um, they were hyper aggressive about buying distressed assets. And then like, you know, and that's, you know, Deshaun Watson from a, uh, a value perspective is certainly down from where he was. And I think Tepper sort of has a, has an eye for bringing in a big name quarterback and had to settle for Sam Darnold. Ultimately, uh, if Darnold stinks, Oh man, the, yeah. And the Panthers can be bad. If he's, if he's average, I think the Panthers will contend for the playoffs, but I still think the bucks at minus minus one eighty five. I mean, that's if FanDuel was legal in North Carolina, I would load it up and, and hammer that. I agree. And I think that when storylines, the way things move with, you know, everybody always talks about the news cycle and it applies to sports and certainly pro football. And it's, uh, you know, a 52 week endeavor now where there's always something fresh to talk about. Good, bad, ugly, Deshaun Watson included, all of that kind of stuff. I, I, I'm with you. That Same thing with Jacksonville, too. I think the I, nobody talks about Trevor Lawrence. I'm big on Justin Fields to be rookie of the year. There are Ooh. other people advocate for Zach Wilson or otherwise. But I think it's because we've just sort of understood that Trevor Lawrence is great and he's supposed to be generationally great. Not like a good first overall draft pick good, but I mean like Andrew Luck who leads you back to John Elway. Like that's the sort of hype that Trevor Lawrence has gotten the last couple of years, and it's just gotten a little stale given the way our brains have been, you know, forced to to react. Oh, what, what's, what, what's the news? Nothing has changed. Trevor Lawrence is supposed to be awesome. He was supposed to be awesome two and a half years ago, and so now he should be awesome in the NFL. Same thing. I don't feel like 
we've celebrated Tom Brady doing what he just did this past year. Enough. I know that he's the cover boy of everything and he gets, you know, everybody swoons for Tom Brady and they they genuflect and all that. And yet, I feel like the reaction's a little underwhelming. He's a 40-something-year-old man who, who ditched out on Belichick, who everybody anointed the greatest coach of all time. He goes to Tampa, who has very little history, very little to hang a hat on as an organization, certainly in the last decade, and he wins the Super Bowl. He went into Lambeau and beat Aaron Rodgers. He, he won three consecutive road games. It's crazy what happened. In his home stadium for a new team at the age of 40-whatever he is, and... And, and it's insane. It's it's insane. If it was anybody else, it would be like Disney would be beating down the door to make a movie. But because it's Brady, we're just sort of like, I mean, OK, like what? Like what next, pal? It's weird. I know there's resentment for him. I completely get it. Obviously, I've been bitten by that snake more than once as a Steelers fan. But right. It's 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 crazy. I don't know <laughs> that. I guess there just aren't satisfactory words to say, like, yes. That guy who, again, everybody loves to refer to the six round pick and the, the picture of him in his underpants at the at the combine and all of that kind of stuff. And he's the he's the greatest person to ever play the sport. It's hard to reconcile because of what you're looking at. And then you also understand this is a big one for me and Ryan Clark and I guess other people, too, is. But, you know, he but he doesn't possess any trait specifically that would lead you to believe that he is going to be one of the better quarterbacks of all time, let alone unquestionably the best of all time. And because the pushback is cynicism or whatever else you would call it. It's like, well, come on. Did you see Devin white and Levante David? Obviously that wasn't Tom Brady's victory. That was, that was more that. Yeah. But the, you know, but still, 42 year old man it's not like this was the seattle seahawks this wasn't a finishing piece to a really solid organization this is the tampa bay buccaneers it was weird when he announced he was moving to the tampa st pete area the team that has a pirate ship in the end zone and shoots a cannon like that guy in those ugly uniforms he just won the super bowl i'm kind of with you is that your super bowl pick out of the nfc then Maybe. Yeah, probably. I guess the NFC, if Rodgers hadn't come back to the Packers, the NFC was shaping up to be no, no, no. I'm going to go 49ers. Probably. I guess the, the non NFC West is uh, or 49ers or Rams is what I'm, is what I'm going uh, for Super Bowl. I think somebody out of the West. Um, but the, the if Rodgers leaves, the NFC is like getting, you know, looking a little shaky. Um, oh yeah, I agree. That's what we, we've been talking about that all off season. Cause I was waiting for Rogers to land with Denver and then make the all time murderers road division. Sorry, oh Derek God. Carr, but you're, I, I don't know what game you would ever win with that. If you had Herbert and Mahomes, and then you drop Rogers into the mix. Maybe I really do think that was a factor too. I think Rogers at some point was like, I'm getting out of here. I'm on the uh, uh, greener pastures and everything else. I think part of the calculation for him was like, Oh, I I can't do. I'm, if I'm in De- if I'm in Denver, what I might miss the playoffs. I could, do I want to play? Do I want to play Kirk Cousins twice a year? Or do I want to play Patrick Mahomes twice a year? I mean, that's, precisely, precisely, yeah. and that's another recurring theme for us here on the show. Brinson is it's not a political statement. Fade the anti-vaxxers. I mean, there's a light. They're adding. They're giving you an extra point to bet against now. Cousin Sal will let you know that season totals for individual players are generally, uh, it's good to take the under on those because they don't account for injury. So it's a smart bet to begin with. Now you're mixing in this too. And if there's a need to shut things down, 
you know, fade the Vikings, fade the Ravens, fade uh, Kirk Cousins and fade Lamar Jackson. And it's not a political statement I'm making, like I say, but I really like Lamar Jackson under 905, uh, 900.5 rush yards, um, I think is a great bet. So you're going to say the Niners. That's an interesting division. We'll get to that one. Um, in fact, let's just jump into it right here. Yep. You, I, I think as somebody who is a big, I'm a big QB wins guy. It is, uh, I think people talk about just overthinking simple statistics. If you have one of, I'm not talking top 15. If you have one of the top six to eight quarterbacks, you are not coincidentally always in the playoff mix. People then say, well, well, how do you explain Joe Flacco? And how do you explain Brad Johnson? Everybody else. They are anomalies. You can break through and have a magical season and go real deep in the playoffs, maybe even win the Super Bowl. But you are not consistently going to be vying for the playoffs if you don't have one of those top QBs. The guy, the biggest outlier, the 21st century to that, Drew Brees had three straight losing seasons with the Saints when they had an all-time awful defense. That was a great piece of evidence against QB wins mattering. Phil Rivers had a couple of wonky years, there, uh, weird years in San Diego too. But the number one is Matthew Stafford. And I think it's very funny the way a lot of people are telling on themselves over the last two months or so when you see the new revised QB rankings. Matthew Stafford, oh, clearly, well, fifth, sixth best in the NFL. Like, I didn't see him on your rankings there last year, the year no. before. What happened? Like, all of a sudden, team situation is impacting where you're ranking him as an individual. I think he has a dynamite year. Um, I think that division is really rugged. Start there. Let's let's do it. Instead of NFC South this year, let's do NFC West QBs. Ooh. Go. All right. First of all, I, I do want to point out that there are 17 quarterbacks, active or retired, who have more than 100 wins. All of them, all the retired guys are in the Hall of Fame, except for Drew Brees and Phillip Rivers, who are likely going to the Hall of Fame. And oh, Eli Man and Eli Manning, who is almost certainly going to the Hall of Fame because of the two rings, even though the defense probably won it for him. But we don't want to bring spaghetti in here while we're talking until we talk about the NFC East. Uh, but of course, when you when when you win the biggest game against yeah, no, no, the greatest no, no, no. player of all time, then you must send him to. If you do it once, it's fluky. You do it twice, no fluke. Eli Manning, I don't want to hear like, well, but he was bad in every other year. Even Eli if that were true, which isn't right. exactly true. Even if that were true. Even if he stunk every other game he ever played, if he had those two runs, you must put him in the Hall of Fame. Talk about overthinking something. The, what matters is who wins the Lombardi. He did it twice against Brady. Next subject. Go ahead. Right. And then the active guys are <laughs> it threw me off. You know, the, the, the Wikipedia does the, the color sorting. You know, it's like yellow is Hall of Fame. Blue is. And I was like, what is, what is the blue? Oh, that's active because Tom Brady is still playing football. Tom Brady, Big Ben. Aaron Rodgers, Matt Ryan, the only guy on that list of 17 people, just in terms of quarterback wins, who might not get in the Hall of Fame, uh, it, it would be Matt Ryan. And I think he gets in just because of stats and MVP. And, Do you really, huh? Yeah, and I also think, this is my hot take, is I think Depends Matthew when Stafford, he retires. That's what, it, that's what matters is. In this age of QB, of high-end QBs, it matters what year he, his name comes up. If he's up against tough competition, he won't get it. But don't retire ahead. the same year as Aaron Rodgers, Matt Ryan. He'll he'll be real close to getting in, but at the last second, he'll uh, he'll blow a big lead, and uh, someone else will get in over him. Uh, I also the hot take I have is that I think that Matthew Stafford will do enough in his Rams career 
to get in the Hall of Fame as well. I hear that. I mean, listen, if he runs, if he wins a Super Bowl, then yeah. If he wins a, a Super Bowl, it, he's probably getting the Hall of Fame, right? Sure. Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Because then you can just describe, then people, then we'll go back and with 2020 hindsight, then we'll sing songs about what a rugged warrior he was on a, on a lost franchise and all of that. It is funny though, as somebody who believes in QB wins, Stafford is the one. Stafford is the one that's kind of like, that's hard for me to explain away sure. how he had Megatron and all that. And they still never made hay in the playoffs. I, I mean, he did he is have... I mean, four, four, this is, this is such a bad, he had four seasons where he won nine games or more, which is not like incredible. Damning with Lions fame praise, stop, right? Dave. I mean, like the Lions are, the Lions screw up everything. They screwed up Barry Sanders. They screwed right. up Calvin Johnson. They fired Jim Caldwell after two nine and seven seasons to hire Matt Patricia. I mean, they had, they were one of the, they were, they were the 0 and 16 team until the, until Hugh Jackson came along. Um, they, they screw up everything. And I just think it, that place is broken. And most teams would have figured out a way to keep Indomitian and Sue and not let, hey, he kicks people sometimes turn into such a negative as though as though all the people that were just celebrated this past weekend in Canton, that there that, that two thirds of those guys never kicked anybody or pulled any jive after the whistle. I'll, that that inequity is the, is the if I were Indomitian Sue by now, I would have made a documentary and be like, what the hell? Like, I, I, why, why are we celebrating Deacon Jones and Mean Joe Green, but I'm a bad guy? I, that, that one, I, I, don't, I can't imagine how it must make uh, Sue's head spin. But anyhow. That's true. Yeah, he is. And he's such a, when you talk to him, he's a very, it's very bizarre talking to Dominican Sue because he is, as a, in terms of size, and like you know what he's done on the field and what he can do to other like grown, huge adult men. And you're looking up at him and he is just terrifying. And yet he is the, just simply the nicest, like he's very just thoughtful and nice. And you're, and you're, it's a, it's a very weird juxtaposition at any rate. I, I agree with you. And by the way, that's something I point to. There are guys who inflate themselves by whatever means to, to really get jacked up to play pro football. The guys who are the best at it, Aaron Donald accepted is, uh, are, are the guys that are just mountain mountainous human beings like uh, you know just straight up the, the guys who have that uh, that physical edge indomitian sue is a massive human being and this is why i don't think he can win defensive player of the year because he's a defensive tackle again aaron donald accepted from this yeah. is vita vea i think vita vea is about to dominate the nfl in a way that people aren't aware if he hadn't gotten hurt last year he would have been much more prominent in terms of uh the star power of the bucks he was sort of a forgotten man but man that guy is he's he, a beast he's he a bear he is a, he, he is a grizzly bear sized human being it's it's insane and you can't teach that and, anyway and look, you know on the uh, jason light by the way the gm for the bucks it caught flat for you know i mean the, the who's the uh, aguayo the kicker that they took the Jameis pick that didn't necessarily pan out but if you look at this bucks team and this bucks defense i mean a large portion of it you know you have guys they draft chris goblin they draft devin white you know they draft antoine winfield jr they get vita vea i mean he is he is built up you know the team that the team that Tom Brady took the defense that took out the Chiefs was built by the front office you know it wasn't built by Tom Brady and so I think that sort of gets lost in the mix a little bit when you're we, right and that and talk about the trait that Brady possesses that makes him great it's his brain so he's a smart guy so he looked at the Bucks and said boy 
I can get Godwin and Evans to throw to. I bet you I can uh, get Antonio Brown to come join us. I bet I can talk Gronk out of retirement, plus the pieces they have. This is a good situation. You know what? Instead of NFC West QB rankings, we don't, we don't, let's just cut to the chase. A a, a large component of whenever we do a podcast is that it typically spins off. I don't care. So what? You know what? I I don't care. You know, listen, uh, it's, it, it, let's do, I was about to go off on another tangent about the, me going off on tangents, but I (laughs) see I'm growing as a broadcaster. Let's stick to the NFC West. When you came on, uh, my podcast, I guess it was, it was either before last year or before the, I, I can't remember last. Anyway, the last time you were on my, my producer Debo, it was in a Slack chat with me and uh, my, our podcast czar, Eric K, who, you know, and was like, he's like, you, he's like, you, you don't, you don't understand what Princeton and Shaq just did. They were like, it was like to tangent on a tangent on a t- Like it was like tangents flying everywhere. Cause it, they, it drives him nuts when I go on tangents and then both of us went on tangents and it, and it, he almost lost his mind. Well, cause that's like, uh, that's it what Miles Davis and yeah, listen, when, when Miles Davis and John Coltrane hooked up, same thing, you know, the drummer and the, and, uh, the, and the, uh, bass player might've had their concerns while they were trying to hold down the rhythm. Don't worry about it, Debo. You know what? The, the geniuses, we'll, we'll get it back. We're making our music. We'll get it back to the baseline. Just give us some time. We'll work our way back there. NFC West, I find a fascinating division with some real heavyweights. I've already declared that one team that is not going to the playoffs, the Seattle Seahawks, sorry, no playoffs for you. It's not really an indictment of Russ or otherwise. Well, it is of the defense. I don't love the defense. I don't like... The nonsense that we've heard all offseason that Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson aren't getting along, that doesn't seem good for a pro football team. And more practically, like I say, I don't know what the defense is. And the other factor is the Niners are mighty. The Rams are mighty. The Cardinals addressed a lot of their issues at minimum. I don't know what you think about Cliff Kingsbury. Before you say who wins the division, who comes in fourth place, Brinson? I I think... I said last year it would be the Seahawks, but that all four teams would make the playoffs. It actually ended up being closer to that happening than yeah. Um, and then you know, Niners suffered a bunch of injuries. I'll I will take the Cardinals to finish last, but not in a in a, a demeaning way, like a good last. You know, like a interesting. And, Spaghetti, who do you have fourth in that division? I'm I probably go with the Cardinals as well. Cardinals yeah. are plus 600 to win the division. That would not be the greatest stunner of all time if that no. happened. It's very tight because the Niners are the favorite at plus 190. The Rams right behind them at plus 200. Seahawks plus 280 there. So obviously the bookmakers see it as a competitive division too. But you say the Niners are going to the Super Bowl. So I think you kind of tipped your hand on who's going to win it. When does Trey Lance get his first start? Ooh, that's a great question. It is... I am firmly of the belief that Kyle Shanahan wants to roll Jimmy Garoppolo out there and see how many games he can win and use Trey Lance and situational package stuff, whether it's red zone running, uh, et cetera. And, but there's a chance and and there's, and there's, if Jimmy G gets hurt or Jimmy G struggles or they're losing games, you just pull the ripcord and go into, you know, go into, uh, you know, or what about if Chris Ballard calls and says, we'll give you a third for Jimmy G. Would that ever happen? That way they wouldn't think that would happen, but I think that see the other thing too, I think, Sheck, is that Kyle Shanahan has had one really good season in San Francisco. 
Like one, you know, they would go to the Super Bowl and had a fourth quarter lead. And it was when his quarterback played 16 games and played well. And I think he he wants to have both Jimmy and Trey Lance to get to ensure that he does not end up in a Nick Mullins situation with a with a good roster, uh, you know, in in like late in the year. So I, I don't think they're gonna try to trade him until after the season. You know, maybe they can move him during the season if Lance forces their hand. I think it'll be like week five if it, when they'll make a decision um, about whether Jimmy G will continue on as the starter or not. Man, I would like Josh Rosen to get his shot. Doesn't have to be Nick Mullins' time. It could be uh, Josh Rosen's time. He's up there wearing the, that. that uh, not quite right three first rounders, but close. Um, Ray Lance and so, Jimmy G and Josh yeah, Rosen. Right. Yeah. yeah, good call. Um, the uh, let's get to the AFC um, North now, because this is obviously one of my favorite subjects to talk about. Who do you have? First of all, who do you think wins that division? The 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 West. I'm taking San Francisco. No, AFC North. Oh, AFC North. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I, yeah, but I didn't answer you on the I am taking San Francisco to win the division, by the way. Yeah, I, fig- yeah, I said I figured. Yeah, yeah. But I think the Rams are really the good. Super Bowl. I think the Rams are going to be really good. I agree with that. I think, I mean, listen, it's unless Jameis and Sean Payton do something special, as good as that roster is, I don't see them really ultimately being a, a factor in the Super Bowl run. So I feel like it's Packers, Bucks, Rams, and Niners. Like those are the four legit contenders that you have in the entire conference. Whereas in the AFC, they're definitely going to be at least two teams that I can count that are not going to be in the postseason, even with seven. Uh, teams making it on that side. Um, yeah. the, AFC the, Saints, North. the Saints minus one thirty four at Fanduel to not make the playoffs. So they're, they're favored Ooh. to miss the playoffs. We've already named the Texans spaghetti. No playoffs for you. We got to really get going on this. The season's creeping up on us, spaghetti. We can't uh, waste much more time. Detroit Lions, obvious. No playoffs for you. And a good bet to have the worst record in all the NFL over the Jags because, like we talk about, I mean over the Texans because they're in a division that has the Jags and now the Carson Wentzless Colts. So you figure that the Texans might win a couple more games versus what uh, the Lions are looking at within their division. Um, anyhow, uh, Brinson. I didn't yeah. ask you a question. I just AFC went to North. The AFC, AFC North. North. Yeah. I'm going to take the Ra- winner. Winner. Oh, yeah. you are. Yeah. You bum. Interesting. I thought you would for sure. I, I thought this would be a great opportunity for you to congratulate our mutual friend, Mark Sussler. This is a magical time for Cleveland fans. Don't you understand that? I am. See? Man, I look, I look at the Brown. I'm a big Baker Mayfield guy. I love Kevin Stefanski. I look at the Browns roster and it, it's, you know, this is very good on offense. This is a sturdy run game with depth with Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. You have nice weapons. Odell Beckham could be a bounce back. Um, and then deep defensively, they added the pieces they need to. This feels like Miles Garrett's defensive player of the year season. But you're telling me that the Cleveland Browns just magically turned everything around and are now just going to win 11 games and are the favorite to win the AFC North and are just going to steamroll into the playoffs with nothing to deal with. Like they're just up there with the chiefs and the bills and the, and the, and the rate, like that doesn't make any damn sense. Shaq. You're just looking at the uniform friend, stinking thinking, get over it. That's what I'm doing. Past is past. Don't live life in the rear view mirror. This is the, this is the moment. Don't you see? It's all been building up to this. I don't know how many times I have to give this speech to the cynics out there, but listen up and listen good. The Cleveland Browns have 
by many accounts, the smartest front office in all of pro football. They have a new head coach who just in his first go-around was the coach of the year. Everybody's singing songs about the roster, how they really tuned up that defense. Clowney and Miles Garrett, what? Odell Beckham, you mean the guy who made the one-handed catch, the best running back tandem in all of football, and a first overall draft pick at the most important position of all the sports? I want to be the first one to say congratulations, Cleveland Browns. This is it for you. Enjoy it, fans. Wash off the stink of the last 50-plus years of Super Bowl era. Now's your time, and Dave Damashek is here to celebrate with you. I, <laughs> it's a beautiful speech. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. As someone who lives and, and breathes, you know, it's like NC State, we, we have an expectation based on you know, decades of struggles to close out and to actually succeed and live up to expectations that it just feels too This is I know the Browns fans have been through a ton, but you're telling me, that the Cleveland Browns are the eighth most likely team to win the Super Bowl in the NFL in 2021. Does that make, does that pass the say it out loud test? Cause it let does me not. This. Let me, let me say this to you. The greatest gift that the Cleveland Browns, that brilliant front office can provide to the Steelers and Bengals is the same one that the Baltimore Ravens can give us with Lamar Jackson, which is, Give him one of them gigantic second contracts. Baker Mayfield, lock him up. Don't let him out of the building. You won't get him back, Cleveland. Come on now. Lock up your guy. Number one, first overall pick. He's the man, isn't he? He's going to get it done. It's a really exciting time for Cleveland. I, I do I do really like, though, that Baker, the, the approach he took to this offseason where he said, I am not trying to get a new deal. He's like, well, he's like, I. he understands that 2019 – is still on his, re- you know, it's, it's on his resume. We can, 2021 can push the, any f- more doubt about 2019 onto Freddie Kitchens and off of Baker Mayfield if he plays really well. But I mean, yeah, if you give Baker Mayfield $44 million a year right now, you're, you're probably setting somebody up for failure. Did you see what happened to Alex Smith in San Francisco? Did you see what happened to Alex Smith in KC? Do you see what's about to happen to Jimmy G? Baker Mayfield, you should have taken the money or you should have been negotiating for it before this season, not after this season, because I don't know what, but any, I mean, you know, I like, I like talking about the guys who have pressure on them because as you know, I have the curse of supposed to, and if you're supposed to do it, that applies more pressure to the weight on your shoulders. Bake. You got all of it on you, man. There's no question about anything else. There's no other Cleveland Browns related issue that anybody would point at and rightly say, boy, that could be their downfall. The only thing people are looking at is old bake. So pressure's on you, fella. I'm sure you'll take care of it, though. Is he number That's one? On the, is he number one on the on the pressure list this year? I mean, who who, who else would be? I I don't know. Um, Not Ben Roethlisberger. He said, "Listen, the good news is the no, you know, nobody are 44 else forty four to one to win the Super Bowl." Nobody. I saw I saw a number that they're less than one percent likely to win the Super Bowl. Listen, as they say, no one outside our locker room believes in us. Great news then, Ben Roethlisberger and Pittsburgh Steelers. No one actually believes in you this year. I think this is a juicy spot for the Steelers. Talk me into the Ravens, though, because I my prediction, as bold as it counts as being bold, is I think they finish ahead of the Ravens in in wins this year. Straight the up. I, 
I think the no the I think the Browns win the division legitimately. I okay. think the Steelers though finish second ahead of the Ravens. Mm. I mean, I don't like the way that roster's looking right now. Talk me into them. What am well, I missing? I'll, Why are I'll you picking this, them to win man. the division? So, I right now as it stands, and I think that you know, so we're we're recording this on August tenth, right? But like, I feel like this is fairly subject to change as we get a little bit closer to the reg, the start of the regular season. And I actually have to make my picks because. You know, one, look, I I think that the I think the Ravens I felt like the Ravens 2020 season was probably treated uh, unfairly in the sense that people if you if you ask people like well I mean Lamar Jackson just took a huge step back but really he had the same sort of statistical regression that we saw from Patrick Mahomes from 2018 to 2019 it's just you have a monster MVP season you're probably going to come back down to earth a little bit unless you're you know Peyton Manning or Tom Brady and so. I think that's a little bit overblown. I am. I, I love J.K. Dobbins. I love the pick of Rashad Bateman. Marquise Brown is you know hadn't lived up to the hype, but he is still just getting into his third year. They have great piece on the offensive line. Mark Andrews. The offense is not a concern for me. The no, they don't. That's that's where I point. I don't know anything about offensive linemen individually, but I do know that they have questions at both tackle spots, and that's more significant than it is for any other team based on what they want to do. All right, Stanley's. So the injury, the two things that concern me about the Ravens, and why I would lean maybe towards the Browns, or I think I think the Browns, I would lean towards the Browns. I just don't, I can't get there with the Steelers. Um, but the uh, the COVID thing with Lamar is legit. He's had it twice, and he's like, well, now that I've had it twice, I'm good. And it's like I don't think that's how it works. You can still get it, like you can still get it again. And if that's the case, and again, this is not a political statement about the vaccination. This is simply a statement about wagering on the Ravens. Because if you take the Ravens over win total, or you take the Ravens to win the division, or you take the Ravens to make the playoffs, and Lamar Jackson, again, he doesn't even have to get COVID. If he is unvaccinated and he is in close contact with somebody who tests positive, he will miss 10 days of football. That and that's correct. Two, right. It could be two games. And if he misses two games here and two games there, all of a sudden I don't like the Ravens to win the to, to, to win the division. So that's really kind of my biggest concern now. And then you start to see Bateman got hurt in practice. I think there's a couple more guys. All these wide receivers are really dinged up. That's a that's a big red flag as you start to get closer to the season because they've been trying to pump Eric DaCosta and uh, you know I guess it was a little bit of Ozzie Newsom before him been trying to pump, figure out this wide receiver thing for a while now. It just hasn't really worked out. And uh, if all those guys are banged up and you just don't have a lot of weapons there, then the, the Ravens will be a little bit more stoppable in, in the sense that they can't throw outside. It, it's funny how it's played out because I talked to somebody uh, well-placed close to the organization after Lamar's rookie season. When he took over halfway through, John Harbaugh would have been out of the building if they hadn't been forced into that by Flacco having to sit down. People forget about that too. John Harbaugh, I mean, he's a good coach and everything, but had Flacco not come up lame midway through that season, they wouldn't have given Lamar Jackson the shot. That turned around the season for them and saved John Harbaugh's job, and Lamar Jackson took off um, from there. But they have had to, but they knew in that building that we're going to have to hit in the draft on wide receivers. We're, we're not going, big name free agents ain't coming here to catch passes mm. when we're throwing with, with, with the, uh, relative, uh, you know, we're, we run the ball more and Lamar Jackson isn't, uh, an outside the hashes thrower and all that. So now they've gone Hollywood Brown and Rashad Bateman, two of their last three first rounders were wide receivers there. 
One isn't exactly a hit yet. We'll see with Bateman, but it addresses exactly what I was told three years ago was going to be the case with the Ravens. And what it's led to is them ignoring their defensive front seven, which is a major factor for them once again. They're old now. Justin Houston is old too. I mean, they're, they're, they're all old up front, or or most of them, I should say, are old on the on the Baltimore front. You watch. That team is going, I, I'm not saying that they're going to fall off the table or anything and go five and 12, but I think, you know, nine and eight, 10 and seven, very realistic for them. And in that division, that won't be good enough. I think the winner gets to 11-ish wins to, to get it. It will be a very competitive division. I'll say the Browns. I do like the Steelers, though. I'll say that. Big surprise. I like them over the eight and a half. I don't understand how that number is that low. They the won the division last year. They won the division. They won a lot. They were 11 and 0 at one point under they're going under. They're not going to win nine games a year later. Come on. It, it is. So last year I, I predicted the Steelers would finish last in the division. That obviously didn't pan out very well for me. No, it I, didn't work out with you. That did not work. You out and well. I watched. In fact, I was on your show when the Steelers were playing the Cowboys and they almost <laughs> lost that game. That was the first sign of real, real trouble. Like, Oh, Oh, they're gonna lose to Danucci? In, in Danucci, yeah. <laughs> well, and you it I thought that we would see the decline of Ben Roethlisberger last year. And I didn't think that they'd be able to do what they did. And then the here's the thing that bothers me about the Steelers is that what, them going out, I don't love the I I don't know about you, Sheck, but Ryan Wilson, um, and then uh Brian DiArto, who worked at CBS, are two Steelers guys. And they're like, I, we massively upgraded the offensive line. I'm like, I'm not so sure about that. They dropped a running back in the first round. You lose some defensive players. I, you know, it just, I don't, I don't love what the Steelers did this offseason. So I want to be, I want to fade them. But the numbers gotten so outrageously low. I mean, 44 to one on the Steelers to win the Super Bowl. That is a crazy number. That hadn't been like that in, since I, I don't know when. I don't know if I'd go that far, put any uh, any serious loot oh, no, on that. I'm not actually going to bet that, but I'm just saying, like, that's a 44 to 1 is, I mean, we're talking, you know, if we're looking on FanDuel, that is. Uh, there, well, listen, it's, it's, it's a part of the big conversation of, like, there's some things that we just, as you say, a line is a line. Like, maybe we don't celebrate Tom Brady enough and then there are other the other side of that coin is there are things that we definitely know are true like the texans are definitely not going to be good the issue with the steelers offensive line is it's an unknown i, I when people yeah. have hard and fast to pay i don't know what it's going to be and neither does anybody else i don't I, how would anybody be able to i mean it's pure speculation what those five guys are gonna are gonna do in three weeks i don't know i mean if you're going on pedigree i guess you could knock them a little bit um, I can explain one by one. I can explain away some of those issues. But anyway, yeah, it's a it's a big unknown. If it's an atrocity to at the level it was at last year, then the Steelers are are going to be bad again. I think it's going to be decent. Um, and I'm not going to bring up the Najee Harris thing for fear of having another argument with Saquon Barkley, the worthy <laughs> the worthiness of drafting a running back where the Giants did and how far away they were from contention. And that's why you don't take a running back in the 21st century because you don't sign him to the second contract, Spaghetti. Shake your head. I'm not going to have it. I'm not. Don't you're embarrass wrong. me in you're front of our again. I'm not. You're just wrong. You, you, you draft good players. He is a good player. Period. Stop. Move on. 
Is I, you're right. No, it's hard to argue with given the uh, the the, the uh, great success that the Giants have had since they drafted Saquon. I mean, well, you're I don't. Right. But, you so you're saying so you're saying take a reach at two. No, you're you wouldn't be you wouldn't last as a GM. What you're saying is wrong. Their other option was Sam Darnold, who got shipped off to another team. Like he has Saquon has had two thousand yard seasons, and out of the three he's played, that he's like just stop with this. It's I mean, they could have taken Josh Allen. That would have been a better pick. Than- but that wasn't realistic. And I'm couldn't just going they have based taken on Chubb what- as well. Is that the same draft? The, that was good? never. It was never in the cards. No, no. You know they could have done, and this is the argument at the time: is you take Quentin Nelson in the first and Nick Chubb in the second instead of Saquon Barkley and Will. That's right. Twenty twenty hindsight. I mean, yes, we could look back in the draft three four years and be like, I yeah, they should have done that. I feel like well, I said it, I, but I'm talking based spaghetti. on what 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 the the front office was like when beat writers in the front office was saying that was never going to happen. It was. No, no, they were going to take Saquon. Doesn't make it right. right. That's just so what the government does. You could literally go back through every team's draft in history and say they messed up there. Like I, don't, I still don't get the hating on Barkley as opposed. Like why not hate on the Jets for taking Darnold in? Like I don't understand why you're you're crushing a running back. If he, if the Giants have a good year this year and he rushes for over a thousand this year, you're still going to be saying, like saying it was a bad pick. A People, thousand yards is not that great anymore. Well, especially seventeen games, I, I, funny, I get I that. But whatever, he <laughs> might not play until week three, though. So it's like, who knows? But if like it, it's it's insane to me that like the NFL has these things where it's like you can't take these positions because we deem them not valuable anymore. It, it, it rotates it's a, every year because okay, look, it, we won't take guards, danger? we won't take safeties, we won't take middle linebackers. No, guards, guards, guards are back, baby. Guards are back. Oh, the ba- guards are back in now. Oh, so yeah, we got the memo. The difference between Quentin Nelson and Saquon Barkley specifically, or just blur your eyes and look at the two positions they play. There's no chance that say that uh, Quentin Nelson will ever get out of the Colts building. There's not. It, it, they will sign him. You don't sign Saquon Barkley, even if he does rush for 1,400 yards this year and they, they win the division. They, we, we you, they've got him in will. We'll get him in will, but it's but that's an unwise move to make. That's the reason you don't yes. do it. You better be close because what you're betting on when you use a first round pick on a running back is with the natural attrition. Even if he plays every game, he gets beaten up over the course of the years of carrying the ball. But he, they are more prone to injury than any other position out there. So you better be really close because the roll of the dice that you're making is is like a two year thing, two three years, like. We better cat. This guy is a finishing piece for our borderline contender franchise. The Steelers perceive themselves to be at minimum, and of course, it's not crazy since they won the division last year. Like, yeah, we're looking to win the AFC North once again. Najee Harris could conceivably be it's a, it's the a difference. Luxury, in that. It's a luxury pick. It's not a foundational right. pick. You, you I, I'm not in disagreement. It's the context of where your team is. You're, they were so far away. James I, Robinson, undrafted. Do you know who their running backs were in 20 in the year before they drafted him? Orleans Darqua and Shane Vereen. Like, he's a good part of their team. The reason why people like the Giants might be better this season is because Saquon's coming back. He's loved by the team. He's loved by the fans, loved by the coaching staff and GM front office, whatever. He's a large part of the team. Plus, he can catch the ball to the backfield. Plus, he could block. He does what you're supposed to do at the running back position. I'm so tired of arguing this. It's like it, it, he, he's going to be a part of their improvement. And if I agree with you, running backs get injured. That happens. Rinsa made a face. Yeah, I, I mean, think I, I'm just, but what else are they going to do? They could have drafted Sam Darnold, been in a worse position than they are right now. Or maybe they, I, I, who could, no, I don't, what is the point of going back four years? Like, it's, what also, is the point? it's also possible that if Sam Darnold, if, it's, if it was all Gase with Darnold, that. That's also it, true. You're right. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I think the thing with Barkley is I mean he's gonna be 25 after he turns his birthday's in February. So it's like right after the Super Bowl, right around the Super Bowl. So at the end of this year he'll be 25. And you're giving him a contract where I mean if he has a big year, 
it's going to be a three and a half year contract where you're going to, if you cut him after the year three, you're going to eat some dead money or something like that. I mean, that's dangerous for, that's just, it's just not good business. Like you're better off, you know, unfortunately doing what the Steelers did, which it with Le'Veon Bell, which is right. That was a roll of the dice too. And then let him, let him loose. Like the Francis, Dave Gettleman, by the way, who, what other GM, in NFL history has taken a running back in the top 10 in consecutive years with multiple franchises uh, with Christian McCaffrey, great player, awesome player, but he gets, he gets hurt because running back the best hurt. example there is right now. Yeah. Of course he's the best. What you don't do is if you're really far away from contention, you don't use a first round pick on the running back. Also, you don't give a second contract to any running back. Zeke Elliott's second contract is a mistake for the Cowboys. David Johnson with the Cardinals was a mistake. Devontae Freeman with the Falcons was a mistake. James Robinson led that he wasn't drafted or anything, but leads the league in rushing last year. Did that improve the Jaguars' fate at all? No, of course not. And, and, and they took and they took ATN anyway, so they obviously don't value him. But I'll, I'll do you a favor, Shaq. I'll I'm going to alert all the teams, all the GMs, and I want to say, guys, don't draft or even play running backs anymore because like, we don't care. I got it. I got it. I got How it. did I got James it. Robinson lead the league in rushing? That's not possible unless you're a first round pick, right? I didn't think that was possible. Oh, wait, he's well, on that's another conversation. Yeah. All right. That's, uh, that's something different, but, um, but yes, I, you, uh, the, the evidence is clear at this point. And by the way, also, it's also funny uh, as you were running through the Giants' old running backs. Who was the kid who they drafted in the first? Was it David? David Williams? Wilson. David Wilson. David Wilson from right, I right. think like Vatech or Virginia. yeah from Vatech. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, had a, he, neck, got a, neck he had a he got a spine neck injury. Right? injury. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He hey, used to do the backflips. Yeah. How about since I can't, I like to bring everything back to NC State. Andre Brown, legendary Giants running back. He was a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Did he have he his whole thing at NC State? He would always do these like massive spin moves right at the line of scrimmage. And I believe on a Thursday night game, and I want to say it was in like 2013 for the Giants, he busted off one. In fact, it was in Charlotte because they were playing the Panthers on a Thursday night. And he busted off a massive touchdown run in front of a home crowd using that, I believe, using that spin move. It's it's, it's a legendary spin move around these. I vaguely remember him as like a guy who just really struggled to get like to the line of scrimmage, I think is what I remember from his career. That's why he spun. Spin through. Uh, anyway, I went. I, I we, we I could do without batting an eye. We could do another two and a half hours. I feel like we serviced a lot of the subjects though. But each one, I felt like, boy, you and me could uh, Miles and Coltrane the crap out of these for uh, for many more hours. But I'll let you go before I do though. Before and in fact, I wish we'd been spinning before we actually um, hit go on the record button because uh, I can't believe NC State is so bad at. at football it's it feels like one of those acc schools have a lot of te- it's the home thanks to Pitt's arrival of having way having more pro football level talent and not meeting college football success more than the acc has between maryland is a big one on that unc is big on that Pitt is big on that. I'm surprised NC State doesn't have more big names. I know Phil Rivers and Russ uh, spent some time, Russ Wilson spent some time down around there, but uh, um, striking. But NC State, their total, six and a half. Are you going over at plus 110? Yeah, this is a max five-unit whale play over. And, I mean, I don't want to be – I'm going to be the guy who tells you that, you know, his team is going to be great this year and that, um, that, and then looks stupid, but this line should be seven and a half. At least if you look at the schedule, 
So we are we play South Florida in week one. They are, uh, by all accounts, an atrocious football team that we will dominate at home. The, the key game might be in week two at Mississippi State, which is only scary because it's an SEC road game and Mike Leach is just sca- like scary to go against. But Mississippi State- Let me interrupt you. Let me interrupt you to, to show that we, uh, that how we align, our lives align. The Pitt Panthers, their total underwhelms me. Seven. Mm. Seven. They have a their QBs in his seventeenth year. This is what you want in college football. <laughs> that what what what's more important in college football than having a tenured QB? Pitt over seven, of course, minus one twenty. And their key game, week two, they hit the road to go play a bum SEC team in uh, in Knoxville, Tennessee. The the pivotal game for that. They can kind of even drop that one and still get to eight, but, yeah. but it's funny how much I circle that game is if they win that one, I can, I can start, uh, I can start celebrating with the money. I'm going to win off the Pitt Panthers before mid September. Well, since NC state and Pittsburgh are not playing each other this year, I may join you on that. Thank goodness. I hated what your QB did last year. Well, that's the thing. So, all right, this team has, all right, so this NC state team to the schedule, South Florida week one at Mississippi state week two, huge game Furman in week three. That's a win. So you're, so you're, if you Get, let's say you're two and one there. Later on, have La Tech at home as well. So that's there's there's really four. If you get Mississippi State, that's four wins that are on there. Um, even if you don't get Mississippi State, we get Syracuse at home in November. That's a win. Syracuse sucks this year. Um, so I think you're at four bare minimum. We get Louisville at home. Uh, the Boston College, Florida State, Wake Forest on the road, and then UNC at home are sort of the games in there. And I just think those games, if you get to four and if Mississippi State becomes five, all of a sudden you need you just need to win a couple of the coin flip games. And I think NC State can absolutely do that. You know, Carolina's going to be great. They're top 10 in the country in, in the coaches' poll. Uh, I know but- they are. I'm surprised, I, you know, but it is, but their win total is a little scary. You can talk, you can sing songs about how good they're going to be, but how often do they hit double digits? I mean, 10 wins is a ton for them. Yeah. Um, Clemson's, Clemson's getting a new quarterback in there as well, that DJ, uh, DJ, we'll just call him. Yeah, DJ. but that's one of the paradoxes of the 21st century. You're better off to be one of the handful of actual college football powerhouses. You're deeper than NFL teams are oh, yeah. at QB or anywhere else. It's always like in the NFL now, if your quarterback gets hurt, you're like, well, that's it for this season. You know, let's uh, let's look ahead to what's what's coming up next year. In college football, if you're Clemson or Bam or Ohio State, like, ooh. You hear their starting quarterbacks or their their running back, their best running backs out. Like so, what? They have seven guys better than anybody we could ever dream of having at that Trevor Lawrence. Like that's that DJ insane. guy was awesome in up in Notre Dame last yeah, year. Was. Like, what? Well, this guy is the backup. What in the hell? <laughs> I know. Um, on the Deshaun t- Watson. Side right. note: I once said to Deshaun Watson, and he got mad at me. I was it was reported back to me by his publicists that they were cross with me because I asked uh, Deshaun Watson. I'm like, because Clemson had won the national title with Trevor Lawrence um, like three or four weeks prior, maybe even sooner than that. It was at the Super Bowl. I was talking sure. to him, and I said, uh, I said, it's an exciting time to be a Clemson guy, right? Like, you know, you have a time, but you don't want Trevor Lawrence to win again next year. And he's like, why is that? And I'm like. Well, because then he goes down in history as the greatest quarterback in Clemson history, right? And he was like, I don't know about that. Like, ha, ha, ha. And then we moved on. <laughs> Hour and a half later, I get a phone call that, uh, what what did you say to Deshaun? And I said, I, I have no idea. <laughs> and it was that. He was he was upset with that. You know you know, I, you know what I bet it was? I bet it was when you were doing the uh, NFL honors 
red carpet before that. And I bet it was like, you know, cause it's at the Super Bowl. And it's probably like on NFL. He's like, so it's like, you know, you're up on that little stage and you, it's, it's not like you're like over on the side and you've got like a recorder and you're just kind of shooting the breeze with Deshaun Watson. It feels like he's walking in like, oh yeah, you know, coming off, you know, incredible. You know, people know I'm great in the NFL. And then Shaq just hits him with the bomb that Trevor Lawrence is going to be better than him. Wonder if I'll ever get to ask Deshaun or Trevor Lawrence uh, before the Super Bowl if it's a must-win game. Oh, I hope so. I, hope I so. wonder which guy would get that right. Um, okay, so bottom line, you like NC State. Oh, yeah. going and, very, and very, very quickly, though, they have two dudes on the offensive line who are on Bruce Feldman's freak list and another guy that he wanted to include. Um, first, uh, our left tackle is a future first-round pick. Uh, Zonovan Knight, our running back, this dude is a stud. He is. He, I don't know if he'll be a first-round pick in the NFL. He will be a second-round pick he, when he, after he leaves this year, after he runs for like 1,500 yards. Um uh, Not Nisi. since Jalen Samuels has the Wolfpack faithful been so excited about a runner. Exactly. And Naheem Hines on the same team. And right. defensively, we didn't have very much turnover at all. And one of the hallmarks of Dave Doran's programs has sort of been like when we had that Bradley Chubb year, it's a recruiting class that grows together, doesn't bounce early. And then, you know, you plan for that one big year where you can kind of pop off. And I think that's what they feel this season is. I don't, I really don't understand why the total is so low. I, I'm with you, but now we're talking about two ACC teams that are getting slept on. We're both talking about our uh, our teams. Indiana Hoosiers, by the way, sitting at seven and a half, the rising power in the Big Ten. That's also they're seventeenth in the country. Preseason polls have been seven. Of course, we shouldn't have preseason polls. You know, the human condition requires that you self-validate. So when you put on a piece of paper or otherwise, I think this team is going to be the third best in the nation. Even when they lose in week one to a a team they shouldn't lose to, you're like, well, that was I I can explain that. I'm going to keep them at third. Like, well, they have a they have a they they have a strike in the loss column. We got to move them down. I can't stay in preseason. There's there's also like this huge contingent of sports writers in the college level who just who are voting and just don't know anything about the teams that they're putting on their poll. And they're like, well, Texas is a big school with a football program. You know, it's like Texas is supposed to break out this year. I'll put them in the top 25. And then when they, you know, they don't get the team trying to climb the standings that has big wins, doesn't get the benefit of the doubt that a Texas would, if they were already in. It's so true. And that's the, the long and short of how Eddie Spaghetti's Notre Dame fighting Irish wound up in the final four last year, even though we just watched them get housed by the Irish. Yeah. Let's put them in the final four though. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll, with a second bite at the apple, they'll do better this time. <laughs> I want to delete this whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brinson. Listen, I think anybody uh, listening right now can now see why you uh, listening to Will Brinson on Pick Six is a must for any football fan, for any sports fan, any human being, for that matter. Um, Brinson, you're the tops fella. Uh, great thanks uh, for all the time today, and let's catch up at some point during the season, shall we? Uh, it's always a pleasure, Shaq and Spaghetti. Thanks for. Uh Thanks for indulging yet another Saquon Barkley argument that you lost. Appreciate. Did we do? Did we do too many tangents though? No, I don't think. I think it was the perfect amount. This is this is the sports talk version of uh, of kind of blue. Everybody, that's when uh, Coltrane sat in with Miles Davis. You know, a little jazz, a little yeah, a little jazz. What we did. That's what we did here. But 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 if I may say so, immodestly, a little bit cooler than those guys. Oh yeah, a little bit cooler. What we just did didn't have this. Don't have the same panache as this crew. That's for sure. No, indeed. Be well. Thanks, buddy. There he goes. The great Will Brinson, everybody. And you know what, Eddie Spaghetti? I think we should tune out, too, here now. We've said it all and then some. Unless you want to take one last uh, poke at number 26 for Big Blue this year, right? 
No, but I will. Well, what I will say is, I'm I'm very pro North Carolina this episode because I was just there in the great state and I had my first vinegar barbecue uh, sauce experience. So that was. Oh, uh, that's where it's I'm, at, I'm, I'm right? Gonna, I'm going to end on a positive note. Yeah, it was very good. I, I got to say, I got to say, it was. Um, it I I you hear vinegar and you get uh you know a little afraid. You're like, yeah, it's, it's gross. No one likes anything vinegar, but it's a lot more sweet than you realize. Yeah. So um, I'm I'm now. It's it, the mustard. See, isn't that yeah. it, that that uh, more and more. I don't think I could just say for the rest of my life, I'll never eat, you know, like, I don't know what you even call it, St. Louis style sauce or what, you know, what what I think most of us consider a little thicker kind of barbecue sauce. Um, But man, that mustard sauce, that's that's something that that might if I, you know, for the next year, I could get away with only eating mustard based barbecue sauce and uh, do away. I never had mustard. I know mustard, I think, is supposed to be South Carolina from what I was told. But uh, ah. I, I, I don't I'm not a big I don't like mustard. I know you love your mustard. I'm not a I don't ever use mustard. I don't I can't eat stuff with mustard on it. So I'm not sure how I react to that. But oh, no. what I will say, I don't I don't really enjoy vinegar either. And I do enjoy I did enjoy this one. It's a little more liquidy, um, but it, it, it was good now because I, I was always a Texas barbecue guy. But that was it was pretty surprisingly, uh, you know, it was really good. So I was just reading about how there's some really good Texas style barbecue joints around la let's hit one of those soon maybe we'll do a show oh, from there yeah. i also want to i also want to track down our pal mark sessler to figure this browns thing out maybe he can bring his pal hand zeus along too and we can sit like gentlemen and figure out all of pro football like we already just did with will brinson but from a browns and jets point of view with those two gentlemen um sessler if you're a listener of this show you know he loves once upon a time in hollywood as much as i do we were talking let's go over to musso and franks and have uh, and do a show from there how say you eddie spaghetti oh i would love to do that i got a couple steaks couple uh martinis that's what they're famous for with the the, the servers and their red their red coats and we'll we'll talk cleveland brown yeah. just like uh, we can celebrate baker mayfield success upcoming and yeah. all of it it'll be great all right so that's something to look forward to Um, As well, 48 hours from now, another thing to put a pin in, Kevin Hench making his weekly appearance here on Minus 3. Looking forward to that. Uh, Meantime, great thanks to Will Brinson. Once again, make sure you subscribe to the Pick 6 podcast and check out all the work of Will Brinson. Thanks to you, Eddie Spaghetti. And uh, we'll be back, like I say, in two days. Until then, thanks so much, sports fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven.